Hello and welcome to episode 352 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. I'm Ben Olson, that's Nathan Fox. Together we're the founders, the co-founders of LSATdemon.com and the LSAT Demon Daily podcast. This will air on Monday, May 30th, 2022. The next registration deadline for the LSAT is Tuesday, June 28th. Actually, I think it's June 30th, but that's for the August 2022 LSAT. If you're not sure, I would register to keep that option open. Did they push that to Thursday, June 30th? I think so. Okay. Let me just double check. And that's that. so that the score release um, uh, yeah. will come for the June LSAT will come out before the August test, which that's nice of them. Every other Thursday, Nathan does a free class. All you need is a demon free account. You can go to lsatdemon.com forward slash. Oh, we don't have a forward slash for that. But anyways, go to lsatdemon.com and sign up for a free account and then join Nathan's class every other Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. On Thursday, June 2nd, you're going to do a class called The Right Way to Blind Review. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It, People don't understand what blind review is. I mean... The people who they they don't know what we mean by blind review, which I think we do it better. So um, come to that class. It's free and we can talk about what you're doing wrong, probably with the way you're blind reviewing. Okay. by the way, you can find Nathan's latest class by going to lsat.link forward slash Nathan. And it'll just take you to whatever the most recent upcoming class is going to be. So if you go there now, you're going to see the right way to blind review and you can just register for that class right there. All right. LSAT.link slash Nathan. Cool. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Today on the show, <laughs> what was the main thing we talked about? Well, it was a mailbag. I mean, we we had a whole bunch of helpful listeners from emails. Uh, sorry. <laughs> other way around. A whole bunch of helpful emails from <laughs> listeners um, we talked about addendums for score increases. We talked about, uh, possible delays of, uh, score. That's a problem that we don't need to worry about your score being delayed because of increases that happened one time. Don't worry about it. Yeah. We, uh, talked, we had a follow-up from an international student who is for sure going to law school for free in the United States on an F1 visa. That was a follow-up from a previous episode. We had a, um, community college applicant who had bad old grades and was worried about writing an addendum and whether she was screwed because of her 3.4 undergrad. We had, um, yeah, a bunch of other stuff online uh, law school programs. We speculated for a long time about (laughs) online education. Uh, maybe you'll find that enjoyable. And we wrapped it up with a thing about a, um, I'd never heard of this issue before, but somebody who has an old transcript that was encumbered because he owes them money. So he ended up graduating from other schools, but he has this other undergraduate previous, uh, transcript where he owes five grand to the school. And he's trying to figure out if he has to pay that in order to go to law school. Cool. Anyway, that's all on the show. Yep. You want to solicit uh, more teachers? I do want to solicit more teachers. We want LSAT Demon students who have scored 170 something on the LSAT to teach for us. Please uh, email. You can just email me directly, Nathan at LSATdemon.com. I want to see your official score report, 170 something. And I also want to see your uh, a, a video of you teaching. 
Um, a couple have come in recently from listeners who we watch your video and we immediately can tell that you didn't like really study with us. Um, we we want to see you doing it our way. And uh, so if you think you know our way, if you hear my voice in your head, that's who I want. <laughs> like if if I'm going to watch your video and I'm going to go, oh, Ben does that. That's mm-hmm. what I want. So, uh, yeah, email me, Nathan at LSATdemon.com if you would like to teach for us. we got an awesome team. We would love to have you on board. It's a flexible job. It's fantastic. So, again, 170-something on an official LSAT. And, uh, like, we want legit demon students who do it our way. Yep. Cool. All right. Let's jump into this email from Sam. Do you want to read it? Sure. It says... Hey, Ben and Nathan, I was listening to some of your past podcasts recently, and I heard about someone who had their score flagged due to their substantial score increase. I'm taking the June LSAT, and I expect a score in the mid-170s. I did, however, already take this year's January LSAT after half-assing the study process with Khan Academy, resulting in a 151. I'm assuming that I will be automatically flagged for a 25-point score increase, So I was wondering if I should do anything in advance to prevent this from happening. Do I just need to accept that I won't receive my score until later than others? Also, I've heard that addendums should be written for large score increases. Is this true? Thanks in advance. I wouldn't have this score increase problem without you guys. That's from Sam. So (laughs) good problem to have, right? 25 point increase. Yeah, his problem is in air quotes. Yeah, that's a good problem to have. The second question is easy. If a school does require an addendum, you just say you know that you could do better, so you took it again. That's your short explanation, if you even have to do that. this The first question, do I just need to accept that I won't receive my score until later than others? I mean, possibly. I guess my gut reaction right now, I wish I knew the answer, but I would say call up LSAC and just ask them what they're policy is. They may not know. They may have some insight about this or why they do it or whatnot. Other than that, I I would just say, hmm, expect to get your score later. I think he's worrying about, uh, wait, why do we need to expect to get our score later? I mean, we, we talked about this on a previous episode. Remember there was like, because it, it didn't even happen this last time. I mean, as far as I know, scores just came out and nobody had any problems. Yeah, I mean, so maybe nothing will happen. I guess it's just, I think Sam's just saying, hey, this has happened before. Should I accept that this might happen to me? Let's cross these bridges when we come to them, huh? I mean, really? Like, it, it I, I, sure. It, I mean, I, for my own edification, I would love to know if they have a policy of flagging huge, you know, score increases. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> if, if they do, then it just, it's like, even more like, why don't they do asynchronous proctoring, right? They do the live proctoring, Mm -hmm. which is like a a hassle and causes technical difficulties, it seems. Yeah. But then they could just record all the sessions. And if that's if that's what because we had hypothesized, right, that we that we think that maybe what had happened last time was a whole because it seemed it did seem like a whole bunch of people got that scary email on a Friday afternoon. Yeah saying something about we're we're reviewing your file or something 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like an anomaly. Of business on a <laughs> it Friday. Was, it was kind of hilarious. It wasn't even like, hey, we we noticed you had a huge score increase. I think it was like we noticed Ooh. an ab abnormality or right. something or an anomaly with your your test totally results. Totally didn't. Right, did not <laughs> tell them why at all. Just. Yeah. But, so okay. So it's like it was hilarious, kind of, and yep. you know, I mean, it must have unintentionally caused a whole like customer service nightmare for sure. for them um, with people because I mean, we got like all this inundation of uh, calls and emails and text messages and stuff with students who were freaking out because they're they had gotten this scary email on Friday afternoon after LSAC's office was closed. Yeah. <laughs> then you know like monday or tuesday or whatever then their score just came out yeah and all the people who it seemed like i mean it was anecdotal it was like 10 people but all, every single one of them had had a big increase mm -hmm. so our hypothesis was well you maybe something got flagged and they had to review i i assume that they're reviewing the tape yeah well otherwise what are they review? I, I don't know what they would be reviewing sure yeah um <laughs> but anyway what what does it matter? Right. Like your score came out a few days later. Who gives a shit? I, I don't it shouldn't matter Especially for the June test. It doesn't exactly. matter. Yeah. I mean, if you're worried about your score not being high enough, you're going to want to register for the next LSAT anyways, just as a backup. Right. I also can't imagine that a couple days is going to matter. You know, later in the cycle anyway, we we talk a lot about like apply September 1st or, you know, whatever. Uh, very no, beginning no, of yeah. the cycle. I think but, the days here only matters when it comes to registering for the next test. So the, uh, the yeah, August okay. LSAT is going to, the registration deadline, I think is June 31st or sorry, that's not even a day. Um, June 30th, right? Yeah. June 30th. So anyways, maybe. He's okay. So if there's a chance that your score comes out after that registration deadline, then that could be a hassle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Again, we're like creating a problem that doesn't, as far as we know, even exist because it happened one time. It didn't happen the next. I, there's probably, you know, time accelerates as we get older um, because of relativity. Probably there's been like three tests that have come and gone since then, Ben, <laughs> that yeah. we don't even remember. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I don't know. This hasn't, it's not like this is a thing that always happens. So if Sam wants to talk to LSAC, he, he could, but yeah. And yeah, as far as the addendum thing, that's that's super simple. I knew I could do better. So I took it again. <laughs> Mic drop. What do you want? <laughs> what do you <laughs> I don't. I, I mean, they're fishing, right? They're really fishing for information. Oh, yeah. I got accommodations. Or I feel that's so dirty. That's so cynical. But it's it makes cynical, so much it, sense. I mean, even if that's not their internal stated reason, I'm sure that some people could realize that and then not push to change the policy, right? It's like, oh, look at this information yeah. we've gotten from these answers. We didn't intend that, but yeah. there's no reason to, be clear, to remove it now. For for uh, brand new listeners, um, you know, when you get accommodated for the mm -hmm. law school admission test, there's there's no mark on your record at all. The schools don't know that you got accommodated, yep. but you could accidentally or intentionally disclose that to them. People just like write about accommodations for learning differences on their personal statements. And when Ben and I see that, we're like, holy shit, like <laughs> people sued the LSAC so that they would not have to have an asterisk on their score report yeah. showing that they got accommodated. Yeah. And so if a school says, hey, we noticed that you improved by 20 points, 
Can you tell us why? What happened here? If you go, oh, well, I finally got accommodated for my ADHD or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they go, oh, so you got extra time on the test. So, you know, like maybe they don't discriminate. Maybe they're like so open minded, right, that they we would like to think we live in that world where it's like, oh, you got valid accommodations for your. OK, great. Perfect. That's a great explanation. But there's other people who are there going like, oh, well, OK, so you just got extra time. So you scored higher. So, you know, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, and, and then there's a whole group of people who might even be making decisions Somewhat based on how they feel about the applicants, right? For applicants who are close and they're looking at them and they're saying, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to go with this person. They may not even realize why they're subconsciously yeah, on towards- the margin. You, you would like to think that that you're not biased. But in fact, when it comes down to, well, it's they're the same candidate, basically. And you just... I feel myself drawn to this other candidate for some Dude, reason. Didn't I didn't get accommodations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. They just seem like a a, a natural to a me. A more They're rounded just... applicant. So. <laughs> or yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Thanks, Sam. Good luck with that test and get ready to take it again. You should um, definitely keep going until you get your your highest score. You have the capacity to do so. So do Boy. it. Treat every official test as if it's just another practice test. And that really does, I think, until you've exhausted all of your attempts, I think you should always be planning to take this one and the next one. Mm -hmm. It's real simple. If you're taking this next test, then it's a practice test for the next one. And yeah, now in reality, maybe you don't end up taking that next one because if you do really well on this one. You crush it. Yeah, you're done. Or Great. if you score, you know, like good for you, right? Like top yep. half of your range. If you score in the top half of your range and you're happy with that score, then maybe this was the last one. Or or maybe you decide to get greedy and take it again. But but that's a good problem to have. Yeah. The point is we keep getting like waves and waves of applicants who are like, "Well, I'm only going to take it once." And this is my the, nope, this is it for me. I'm done after this. I'm just going to see how I do. And then that's it. Yeah. And it's like, well, okay. So now you're putting all your eggs in this one basket. It's like, you know, then they have a panic attack on the day of the test. And it's like, well, I told you that you need to be t- treating your official tests like they're just another practice test. And one real good way to do that is to literally have on your calendar. You don't have to sign up for it necessarily, but on your calendar, you could have the next test date. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. It's just the people who treat it that way, right? Who who just like are patient and go for like the real long run approach to this. Yeah. Just seem to effortlessly, you know, it's more likely that you're going to actually be one and done. Yeah, that's if the you thing. Have Slow, that smooth, smooth is fast. Right. Not only on the test, but just like this whole process, right? Spend a little time planning, a little time thinking through what you're going to do can just pay off exponentially down the road. Okay. Next one from Sam or from uh, Brandon. Yeah. This one's a follow-up email about international students. So that was last episode, right? Yeah. We talked about that on episode. No, three, five, one. I think we were talking. Yeah. The one that just came out, we were talking about international students and this is a a listener day one listener who, which we appreciate you by the way, Uh, email help at thinking LSAT.com. If you hear something and you want to get on the agenda, we we t- we record on Tuesdays, right? The launch day is Monday, 
and we record on Tuesdays. So if you're a day one listener, you have like if you want to respond to something that was in the previous uh, previous podcast, you do have to email help at thinkinglsat.com right on away Monday. to get it yeah. on the next episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, on Monday. Yes. Yeah. So Brent. Yeah. Brandon writes. Hi, Nathan. I hope you're doing well. Even though I'm starting law school for this fall for free. Okay. Awesome. I continue to listen to the podcast religiously, including the daily show. You guys are great. And the show is super entertaining to me. Okay. Glad to hear it, man. That's awesome. I'll keep it short, but for reference and further to today's episode, I am an international student from Canada attending law school in the U S for free on an F1 visa. I received multiple full ride offers and my international status was never an issue. In case you want to share with listeners that wrote in about this. Oh, yeah. Yep. So there's an example. Your F1 visa status does not matter. Yeah, it's anecdotal. And I suppose it doesn't necessarily apply to people coming from other countries. Sure. But uh, why would why would the U.S. law schools welcome Canadians, but not welcome people from other countries. I've certainly never heard of that. Have we ever heard of any international students having any problems? Well, I know just the anticipation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Well, Haley, uh, team member Haley sent us a note that said that she thought that um, international students could not qualify for the LSAC fee waiver. Did you see that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I did not fact check this. Okay. I hope that the listener or I I would hope that Haley fact checked it. But then I hope that our we've always got our listeners to chime in and tell us that we're wrong. Um, Help at thinkinglsat.com. Please tell us when we're wrong about things. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at LSAT.org right now. It says to be eligible. Yep. To be eligible for an LSAC fee waiver, you must colon. What? You must, colon, be a U.S. citizen or Canadian citizen or be a U.S. national or be a resident of either the Republic of the Marshall Islands, the Federated States of uh, Micronesia, or the Republic of Palau? I don't know. Anyways. Wow. A few places. (laughs) Well, that also, so they do, So I guess they have member schools in Canada, maybe. And that's mm. why they give the fee waiver to Canadians. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, hypothesizing. I don't know. Um, that's that's uh, OK. If you've applied for deferred action under DACA, then you can be eligible. Oh, OK. Exception. If you've applied for deferred action under DACA. Well, and it has um, applied italicized. So it doesn't mean you have you don't have to have been granted Deferred action under DACA. Also, if DACA might apply to you, but you have not yet applied, that doesn't count, maybe, right? You that have does, to doesn't say you have to have applied. Yep. You must mm-hmm. have applied. Okay, well, we're learning a little bit more about that. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Haley. Yep. Thanks, everybody who's writing in. Maybe Canada. I don't know, but haven't we heard? We, no, we've heard plenty of students from other places going to law school for free in the United States. I don't think the LSAC fee waiver, I, the schools don't give a shit, right? The schools are reporting. <laughs> just, it just always comes back to, they want your LSAT and your GPA. I mean, they want your numbers, right? It's like, how is this going to impact their 509 report? Because that's going to affect the U S news. Hey, did we want to talk a little bit more about the U S news rankings and the conversation that we've been having with Eric kind of in the yep. background? Mm-hmm. 
Sure. You want to talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that Eric shared with us, thank you, Eric, is the methodology for the U.S. News and World Report ranking system. What surprised me, and my bad for not looking at this earlier, but 40%, which is the largest chunk of the ranking system, is dedicated to basically how uh, peers in the field view each school. Which is hilarious, by the way. That's circular, right? Because... Oh, it's a popularity contest. It's self-reinforcing. Exactly. People view the schools as elite precisely because they're ranked highly on this ranking system. And then they're like, okay, we're going to ask people how they view these schools. They're going to feel positive about that. And we're going to dedicate 40% of our ranking to their opinion of (laughs) these schools, which came from us. Like, what? You go. They should. I mean, they should weight the LSAT higher, right? If they were going to be egalitarian, they would weight the LSAT higher than they currently do. Yeah. 40% of peer review is like, well, I mean, I guess it goes to show how hierarchical and pyramid shaped all of law is really. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's like any economist or any like, I don't know, really any rational person would look at that and go, well, everybody's going to just use the rankings. To fill to out this survey, <laughs> like the, pre- like. <laughs> I mean, especially if they ask you about like, you know, Hey Ben, um, tell me, um, you know, what's a, uh, what's a better law school, uh, university of San Francisco or, uh, Santa Clara university. Hmm. I don't know. Let me look at their rankings really well, quick. <laughs> yeah. Because you're like, I don't know. I live in DC. I don't care about Bay area schools. Yeah. And like, then you go, I mean, the truth is they're just basically equivalent i mean whatever they're regional schools in the bay area so it doesn't really matter anyway yeah but of course the peer reviews are going to come back in with like oh well (laughs) this school is ranked and has historically been ranked higher than this school so then they're gonna just come on yeah okay well it's all a joke we i mean (laughs) god if students would stop paying attention to these rankings then the whole system would change dramatically but they won't yeah, I mean, really, they've they've locked themselves in. So this 40% is broken down by 25% goes to actual peer assessments. So that's looking at like other law school. Deans. The other schools, the schools yeah. ranking the schools, which is just, that's amazing. Okay. That, and that's a huge number. So keep these numbers in mind. So 25% goes to what other law schools think of each law school. Uh, 15% goes to lawyers and judges. So now we're going to, we're going to go outside the the law school sphere and we're going to ask lawyers and judges. These people who are all alums of the schools who have all these preconceived notions. I mean, now of course, if you're highly ranked, you're going to be like, yeah, well, we're pretty damn good. I mean, they have experience practicing with attorneys from these schools and you know, they, uh, that kind of makes a lot that, well, it makes a lot more sense than having the schools rank each other. Jesus. But, but still, okay. I mean, there's an enormous amount of baked in bias and we just don't know what percentage that is. Right. Like, uh-huh. So anyways, so then that's the first 40%, which is the biggest chunk. Then you have um, 26% of the rankings uh, are determined by placement success. So they look at employment rates for graduates right after graduation, 10 months after graduation, they look at bar passage rates. <laughs> well, so, why shouldn't that be a hundred percent of the rankings? I that would right. What's the point of going to law school other right. than to get okay. a job? Okay, so you got forty percent for you know peer assessments, basically. Then you got twenty six percent for placement success, 
And our question was, okay, then the next thing is um, selectivity. So selectivity looks at LSAT and GPA and acceptance rate, right? And <laughs> the law schools are giving the LSAT more weight than the ranking system gives it on average. And so it's like, wait, why, why aren't the law schools kind of giving LSAT and GPA the same kind of weight that the U.S. News and World Report ranking system is giving? But our hypothesis was, well, maybe that's because LSAT affects a lot of these other factors. And so if you can give LSAT more weight, you may actually affect a lot more of the ranking than just the LSAT portion. And I think, I think that's true. Eric pointed out that this 26%, right, that has to do with placement success is looking at postgraduate um, employment. And how do you determine that? Well, LSAT helps law schools determine your first year grades. First year grades are highly correlated with overall grades. Overall grades are highly correlated with placement. Placement. So if you up the LSAT score, then you're more likely to get a class that's going to get good placement. And they're and that's a better predictor than GPA. I mean, it was like five times more predictive or something. I don't really understand all that, but that's on LSAC.org. In any case, the point is, is that maybe they're doing that so that they can just go up the ranking through these other metrics. Yeah, it makes sense. No, if LSAT does a better job of predicting 1L grades, then it's going to predict, it's going to do a better job of predicting summer placements and on-campus interviews and actual jobs coming out of law school, yeah. which then impacts the law school rank at US News methodology uh, yeah, more than GPA. It's, you know, GPA is a predictor. Mm -hmm. um, it's the second best predictor that the law schools have. The best predictor that the law schools have is LSAT. And that's why they weight LSAT so heavily. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Glad we, glad we talked about that. Yeah. Hey, so this, this next email is from Ashley. You got yeah. it? Says, uh, so this came in through our um, newly redesigned website, thinkinglsat.com. Where there's a form there, but you can also just email help at thinkinglsat.com. Hi, Ben and Nathan. I am in a similar situation as Matthew from the May 9th episode. At the community college I transferred from, I was granted an academic renewal. When I signed my agreement, I acknowledged that other institutions and organizations would likely not recognize it. Right, let's stop there for a half second, just so everybody knows. An academic renewal is where you remove a class or a semester of classes from your grades. Um, I think they're still on your transcript. It differs from every school uh, for every school, right? But the point is, is you're, you're absolving yourself of some bad grades, a bad semester. Yeah, but I, I've never seen this before. I acknowledge, I signed an agreement that said, yeah. I acknowledged that other institutions and organizations would likely not recognize this academic renewal. So the school yeah. was like, do whatever, do these things, jump through these hoops. I assume pay us more money and we'll change it on your transcript here. Yeah. But other, you have to acknowledge in writing that other people aren't going to recognize this. Yeah. Damn. That sounds like a scam to me. <laughs> it's a weird one though, because it's like, why would you want to hurt your own students? Totally. Maybe Who it's just knows? easier for them because then they don't have to justify it. Well, externally. also, I mean, 
we we we're in our little bubble where we assume the only purpose of going to undergrad is to like go to law school right <laughs> or yeah, it's like sure. you know the, these schools have uh, other students who are doing other things so other stakeholders yeah yeah um anyway my poor grades are over 10 years old but they definitely haunt me like you have referenced in previous episodes however i have turned it around and will likely graduate summa summa cum laude cum laude yeah it's top one percent wow at UNLV. Is it top 1%? I believe so. It could be different I, at every school, right? Yeah, I guess. My assumption is Suma's top 1% and then down from there. Magna, I don't know what that is. but Okay. I never was close to any of those things, so I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a terrible yeah. student. I have had almost straight A's since returning to school in 2019. That doesn't sound like top 1%. Almost straight A's. That ain't 1%. I got a B plus this semester, which really gets under my skin. Okay, that's definitely not plus, not top 1% anymore. Anyway, I got a B plus this semester, which gets under my skin because I am a perfectionist and because I know I need every GPA point I can get. I know that I can finish with all A's from this point forward. But even then, the highest LSAC GPA I can get is 3.4 over half a point lower than my undergrad uh, transcript GPA because the LSAC credential assembly service adjustment is not respecting this academic renewal. My question is, if I don't get 170 or higher on the LSAT, am I screwed? You want to answer that, Ben? No, you can. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, you can still go to law school for sure and you can go for free. I guess you're not going to go as to maybe as highly ranked schools as you want to go to. Go to lsatdemon.com slash scholarships, Ashley. lsatdemon.com slash scholarships. Okay, I just put in 3.4, 168. The highest full ride I'm looking at is the Uni University of Iowa College of Law, which is ranked 28th, full tuition. Yeah, that's the 28th ranked law school in the country, and there's 200 law schools in the country. You're screwed. It's over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, let's be honest. Uh, in, in, in the vast majority of cases, your ship has sailed on Harvard, Stanford, Yale, you know, yeah. top whatever, top 10 yeah. schools. I mean, yeah, probably not like you, yeah. which is which is really unfortunate. Right. I mean, it, it, 10 years ago, who cares what you did in school 10 years ago? <laughs> but this I wonder system, if you could ap apply and appeal. Because they do have some people below the 25th. And once you're below, who cares? Exactly. Yeah, no. Well, that's what I'm saying. In the majority of cases, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So there is room for there. But but you will be lowering their median for sure. Right. So, yeah. I mean, you're not yeah. like a competitive applicant in terms of GPA. It, how uncompetitive you are might not matter. You're just not competitive. You're not competitive, but maybe they would see you as a diamond in the rough. You'd say, look, I really have a 3.97 yeah. at this universe at UNLV. I but get the best LSAT you can to yeah. make that case really sing. Right. I mean, yeah, because if you don't score 170 or higher, then what do you got? Like you, you can keep talking about all this stuff. Like I, you know, I, I, I should have been able to get, I know I could get straight A's except for, I just got this B plus and I, well, my transcript is a 3.9 except for, I, it's actually a 3.4. And then if you don't achieve the 170, I mean, you're just not going to get any of the top law schools excited. They have too many people who 
score too highly. That said, if you're happy going to any like most people who go to law school don't score 170. Yeah. Right. (laughs) The ones who go to the top, top, top schools probably did. But the ones who don't. But but like there's 200 law schools or whatever it is. And most people don't get anything close to a 170. And like Ben said, the 20, what'd you say? 26th school in the country is willing to offer you a full ride, Mm -hmm. probably 28th with with a 168 and a 3.4. Okay. So yeah, I mean, and then that means that there's a hundred other schools that would also give you a full ride. Yeah. I mean, get the best LSAT you possibly can. That's, that's the thing that's going to really get them excited. I mean, it is the number one determinant. According to them, it is the best predictor of your 1L grades. Like they they know that you can cut it. It also heavily influences the law school rankings. So, yeah, I mean, they want you they want to see an LSAT that is above their median. Yeah. Once you're above their median on LSAT, then you could afford potentially to be below their median on GPA. Although, you know, you, you might end up paying for law school. Yeah, which we think is a bad plan. Yeah. And that's just because there's a hundred other schools that would give you a full ride. Why would you pay? Why would you pay? Um, anyway, Ashley continues. Do you recommend I address the difference in GPAs with an addendum? And if so, how? I I would in this case. I would say I was granted academic renewal, which is not, you know, recognized by LSAC. And then just say what your GPA is. It's like two sentences, but at least clarify what your GPA is at UNLV. Yeah. Go ahead and draft that today, Ashley. Go ahead and take just copy. Ben, do you want to say it again? I mean, like type what Ben is saying right now. (laughs) Okay. I mean, it'll be you can improve it. But the idea is um, I got an academic renewal at my community college 10 years ago, which LSAC does not recognize period. My GPA at UNLV or my overall GPA at UNLV is whatever it is. And what you're doing there is you're marshalling facts in your favor. Yep. You're putting those, you're leading with the facts. You don't need any bullshit conclusions about how you don't need excuses. You don't need to explain yeah. why you got an academic renewal. You don't need to do you just say you got it and it's not recognized by LSAC. I like look. that you threw in there 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And if it's over 10 years, you can go ahead and put the exact number of years. I mean, if it's yeah. 14 years ago, put 14 years ago. Yeah. And the point there is not is just to like, hey, this was they will. They will think that was a long time ago. She's if you say it, now. it's going to get weak. So don't it will. say it. Yeah. Don't make the conclusion. Just put the facts. Yeah. It was 14 years ago. My transcript GPA is 3.9. That's it. <laughs> I mean, we're uh, we're in the process of reinventing our admissions offerings at LSATdemon.com. Uh, For our live subscribers, we are going to be offering a series of admissions classes. And one of them is going to be about addenda. Mm-hmm. And I, and I say one of them because it's going to be like action oriented and it's going to be like, hey, you want to write an addendum? Write it OK, <laughs> we can talk about it for 10 minutes and then we can write it for five minutes and then we can edit it for five minutes and then we're done because this is going to be two sentences. It's not going to be a litany of excuses and conclusions 
we see people have you know a full page of bullshit about their <laughs> whatever just different things that they think they need to recognize or acknowledge you know it's so, it's so sad too because you're writing this addendum to help yourself to make your case and you're actually just totally sabotaging oh it would have been better for you to shut up and sit (laughs) oh man you're putting every red flag in the record you know i mean it's it's just it's like a suspect talking to the cops or a defendant (laughs) testifying like taking the stand you know like oh boy here we go like now you're just totally hosed they feel like it's so bad to not talk like oh if you don't talk you look guilty but it's like yeah but what you say is just no. oh man you just don't know that there's lawyers in the room you don't you yeah. don't even know what a lawyer is or does or have any idea how this whole thing works mm-hmm. and you know the more you talk the worse it is like just just no <laughs> uh facts facts and good facts for you that's what we need to focus on so yep Anyway, um, yes, write that addendum. It is two sentences. You can do it today in the next 15 minutes and be done with it and stop thinking about it because the thing you really need to think about is just get every single LSAT point you possibly can. There is one other thing I would like her to do. I would like her to call her community college. I know she signed this agreement, but talk to somebody. And by the way, you might get somebody who's uh, just a naysayer. They're just like, nope, sorry, that's how it works. Goodbye. But Call again, maybe see if you can talk to someone else. Explain your situation. Explain that you have this high GPA, you know, UNLV, that you're applying to law school, that they are looking at those grades, even though you got an academic renewal. And see, even like I, the ideal situation was that they is that they wipe them from your record, right? Wow, if you could get that, great. That's probably not going to happen. But maybe they come up with other ideas. Maybe they say, hey, look, you can retake these classes and then you'll get the average of those grades i don't know but could that yeah, be who knows it? what every school is doing differently who, yeah. who knows but so it's a long try. shot but it's yeah. worth the long shot i mean if it's going to change that much jesus yeah that, that's probably a lot of classes though if it's changing uh her gpa that much so the retaking yeah, thing be could as, be like <laughs> two more years of school. Uh, hopefully it it's like just, she, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, she continues. I'm looking at schools between the rankings of 15 and 40, mm-hmm. which like, why? What? Where did you come up with that? So you don't want to go to the top 14? Why? But you also don't want to go to below the 40th. What? Why? <laughs> it makes no sense. I mean, like, what's the difference, Ben, between 40 and 50? No difference. Not in order of magnitude. It's not 100%. So it's it's not a, it's not a difference. Yeah. So I would broaden that, Ashley. Go to lsatdemon.com slash scholarships and just look at all the schools and see what kinds of offers you could get. She says, and I will not go unless I'm offered enough to keep my law school debt under 10000 a year. That's good. Great. Perfect. I'm married with three kids and I don't intend to spend my kids' childhood years straddled with debt. You mean saddled with debt that affects their quality of life. I appreciate your work to help people like me figure out the law school game and your time, Ashley. Yeah, Ashley, just play with these numbers. I put in 3.4. I put in a 176. You can go to Florida, University of Florida, full tuition, it looks like. Granted, this is an estimator, of course. I hope people recognize that, but... At least it shows there's this possibility. So 
Maybe she doesn't want to move. Married with three kids. I could see, you know, probably they own a house, don't want to move. Maybe the maybe the reason why she's looking at schools between 15 and 40 is because that's the only schools that are in her area. Um, although that's kind of doubtful because there's so many regional schools that it seems like there would be worse schools in the area. Yeah. Um, but hey, you know what, Ashley? You're all is forgiven because you said I will not go unless I'm offered enough to keep my law school debt under 10,000 a year. Like, that's fine. As long as that's your policy, you can't fuck it up. Uh, The fuck ups involve (laughs) borrowing a life changing amount of money. And uh, so you're, you're, you're not planning to fuck it up. Get the best LSAT you can go to law school somewhere for free or just don't go at all. That's great. Perfect. Yeah. All right. This next one is from Anita. She says, good evening, guys. I graduated undergrad in 2016 and had two attempts at the LSAT back when I was thinking I would go to law school quickly after graduation. Both of those attempts were over five years old now. I got a 156 on my first practice test on April 24th and then a 163 just after 20 days on the demon. Wow. So thank you already for that huge bump in my score. I'm in the Air Force, and depending on my significant other's next duty location will depend on when I go to law school. I, I think when you, when you will go to law school depends on your SO's next duty location. Okay? <laughs> yes, that's what she meant. <laughs> <laughs> There's a chance I can go as early as September 2023, and I will know by mid-July if I have the ability to go to law school next year or if I'll need to delay until the next assignment. Okay, so you'll know by mid-July whether you can apply this fall to start next fall. My situation that I would like input on. One, I currently plan on taking the August and September LSAT in case I am able to go to law school in September 2023. However, I won't know before the deadline for the August test if I am able to go. Assuming my practice test scores are good to go by the June deadline, that's June 30th, Do you think I should just wait for the September test so I don't waste an attempt or go for it so that I can have at least two attempts before I apply in September? Look, given the fact that you might want to go this fall or apply this fall, I think you should just sign up for August. And if worse comes to worse and you don't have the scores that you want by the test date, you can withdraw before the test. You'll lose your money, but then you won't lose your attempt. I think people should be careful with their attempts, but they don't need to be precious with their attempts. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just said, assuming my practice test scores are good to go. I would say even if they're not good to go, sign up because you won't know until August 11th, the day before the August 12th test, whether you're really ready. And if they're good to go, then they're good to go. Yeah. Like why wait? Mm -hmm. Your score is good for five years, right? I mean, like there's no... Yeah, if you're ready, then you're ready. And and you might need to take it as many as five times. So three times in one cycle. But you do have as soon as the cycle resets, you could take it another two times. So if you end up applying in a future cycle for whatever reason, and, you know, that might very well happen. Like you've already acknowledged that because of these assignments from your partner, you could easily not be going this cycle. Well then, okay. So you've been prepping, you're making steady progress. Why not 
just get it done. Like, I mean, <laughs> you're going to have to start taking bites at this apple at some point. And yeah, I mean, you've got three per three in a cycle and then five or in multiple cycles. So I don't, you don't, you don't need to be like timid. Uh, precious is a good word. Like you, <laughs> I feel like time is the one thing she's got to worry about here. Right. Um, if she, she wants to go in September, 2023, that's th right. There is a big incentive for her. So to take I would it say now. just sign up for it and then yes, yeah. don't waste it. If your scores suck and it's August 11th and you're, the test is on August 12th or 13th, then you're not ready for it. You withdraw and you preserve that attempt. But if you don't sign up for it on June before June 30th, you're not going to have that attempt. And then you'll only have one shot. I should acknowledge here that she said she had two attempts at the LSAT. I assume back in 2016. Oh, didn't she say five years ago? Yeah. Five years old now. So they should be. So they don't even there. They count against her lifetime maximum, but not her five time maximum. Yeah. And, and there is an appeal process too. You know, and like that's that seemed they've changed the policy so many times since then mm -hmm. that I feel like the appeal would almost be automatic where it's like, hey, you know, I and which for good reason. Right. Because that limitation seems to be simply because they don't want test prep nerds taking the test a bazillion times and they don't want like pirates maybe taking the test just to steal the test. I was I was imagining literal pirates for a second. Arr, yeah, Arr. no, <laughs> no, they they want um, they they want legitimate law school candidates taking the test, which Anita clearly is. So I think if you know, even if she does bump up against the lifetime maximum, I feel like she would get an automatic. Uh, I, I don't know, again, speculating, but why would they keep her from taking the test again if she needed to take it again? She's not yeah. trying to scam anybody at all. She just had a longer prep process than most people. So that seems pretty clear that she uh, should. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't worry about it, Anita. If you're ready to go, you're ready to go. Yep. Do it. Okay, number two, because the most important thing to me is to be physically in the same spot as my significant other, I am considering online slash distance learning programs. I've been listening to y'all for a minute and haven't heard too much from you on this topic. I know two main things you guys talk about is going to law school for free and that the rankings don't matter unless they're a magnitude different. Do these two things apply to law school, not in person, too? If so, what rankings matter? The one specifically focused on online programs or a school's normal ranking? Wow, okay. Here's one thing to keep in mind about online programs. There aren't that many. Mm-hmm. Quick Google search shows that there are only nine and they're all hybrid programs. And the reason that they're hybrid programs is because the ABA doesn't allow entirely online programs yet. <laughs> they're being petitioned, which means you're, you're going to classes online during the week. And then for most of these programs going into the school on the weekend, um, they're part-time programs mostly, so you're going to school for four years. Uh, it's just, it's not like you can go off to the Bahamas and then start an online program and be good. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't, yeah, who cares about ranking? I mean, what's your, what job are you going to get, Anita? Like what, 
what are you going to do with this? It's like people ask this question as if it's as if there is an answer in the absolute. But there's not right. It's everything is just relative to what you want to do. So mm -hmm. your state. What bar are you going to have to take? What schools will qualify you for that bar? What kind of a job do you want to get? Talk to those attorneys. By the way, go to lsatdemon.com uh, and sign up for a free account if you don't already have one and watch our class uh, from Rachel Gezersay that happened last Saturday. It was awesome. People loved it. The recording is available for anybody with a demon free account. Um, do we have a short link for that? Is it lsat.link slash Rachel? Probably. It, is. it still is. Yep. That'll okay, take so you to it. Yeah, go to lsat.link slash Rachel and watch that whole class about networking your way into to a law job that you will love. Because um, like this is a question for lawyers who practice in your your dream field, Anita. It's not for a couple of LSAT guys. You know, we are experts in the LSAT and increasingly in law school admissions. We can get you in and we can get you there for free. Yeah. But like after that, what's going to happen? I don't know. I never practiced law. And so I don't know what what it is that you want to do now. I can also testify in something else. Then this I am an expert in. As an educator. <laughs> I know it sounds super pompous to say that. <laughs> it educator. almost sounds pompous to talk about your career. <laughs> to say my career, right? But yeah. fuck, I've been doing this stuff for a decade and a half, you know? It's like getting there. I'm getting, yeah. I'm getting old. Um, and, and I am an educator. And I fucking love it. I love it. And I'm going to tell you something, Anita, online education, at least as far as the LSAT is concerned, online education is better. Like way better. It, it's better for everybody. It's better for the teachers. It's better for the students. The results show that scores have skyrocketed. I mean, like the improvement that we see now from our demon students is wild. I mean, just like just crazy <laughs> and anita's already seen yeah seven points of improvement in 20 days okay cool do that for another 20 days yeah so now <laughs> law school is different because it may be different because it's not about the actual education anyway it's about the hierarchical bullshit of just signaling and nonsense right mm-hmm but to the extent that law school is actually school, like to the extent that law school is actually teaching you things of value, you're a professional person and you do not need to be going to law school shoulder to shoulder. You don't need to have like the fucking dorms <laughs> and the like, you know, the, the campus coffee, whatever, and everybody shuffling in with their flip flops and their hoodies. And all, just all the lockers and all this, the bookstore and all this fucking nonsense is just not, it's not required for professional people who are like, want to actually achieve things. Yeah. It's bullshit. It's, it's, it's like the trappings of nonsense academia that does not need to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as a Ben went to law school, it knows what a waste of time, just kind of a bunch of, just a bunch of dorky what is it even 
I don't know, but like, I, I mean, I just, I will tell you that it, because it's just like, it's a crazy amount of, of external costs to having live in-person classes. Just absurd. I mean, frequently it takes more time to get to and from class, get yourself ready, get yourself there, sit for the class, you know, like you've got fucking bathroom breaks and bullshit. <laughs> and in in online, none of that in online, you're there instantly, you're home instantly afterward. No need for breaks. You just plow right through. Yeah, it's better in a bazillion ways. I mean, just so many ways. Fewer distractions, just more like action. Less like, oh, I got to get a babysitter so that I can what, you know, I, I oh, I. The plumber has to come. So now I, I got to talk to my professor to get an excuse because I can't come to class. No, like none of that's going to happen with online education. You're just you're a, you're a professional. You're a serious professional person and you're going to sit at your desk and you're going to do your fucking work. And the live classes can be on Zoom and all the work is actually in your own. You're just going to be reading and writing anyway. So it's not like you even the like lectures don't necessarily <laughs> they're just not that big of a part of it right mm -hmm. like what, what how many hours of lecture did you actually have yeah i mean every day it was probably like four, four hours maybe right no it's 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 well for me it was fewer than that i mean i added it up and it was like mm -hmm. at least in my <clears throat> my first yeah my one l year i think it was like 14 15 hours a week of actual classroom time mm -hmm. right Spread, of course, across all five fucking days. So then it's like, all right, so five commutes to downtown San Francisco. Uh, thankfully, I lived in San Francisco. I was riding my bike, but five, five commutes to downtown and five commutes from downtown so that yeah. you could do 14 hours worth of in-person work. Yeah. Come on. Really? <laughs> I mean, I would be willing to make big bets on this. Mm -hmm. Right. And and if you think about Anita's decision to to pursue online law school or not. Yeah, she is kind of making a bet there. Right. What's the prestige of this degree? Sure. And it's a little uncertain because she doesn't know three years from now when she graduates, what is the prestige of this degree going to be? Yeah. But I would be willing to make big bets on online education, just having gone through it. Mm hmm. Knowing how much more power now, I'm not saying this is going to work for your third grader. <laughs> like, fine. Zoom failed. Zoom school failed for elementary school, maybe even high school. Fine. But there's absolutely no reason why Zoom school is not going to work for higher education, not for serious people. Well, you got to also realize, too, that <laughs> um, elementary school, middle school, high school, these kids have to be there. They have to attend. That's different than someone who's paying money to go to school. Um, oh, yeah. They're, among they're many reasons, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, among many reasons. It's like, sure. Fine. But the, the, everybody, like, they just love to paint with such a broad brush, right? Like, it's just like, oh, well, no. I mean, online education is a disaster, as we saw from COVID. I mean, kids learning just didn't. It's like, yeah, yeah, I know. But you're talking about, I mean, my sister is a kindergarten teacher. My sister mm -hmm. was trying to do kindergarten on Zoom. 
Yeah, good luck with that. That's a fucking nightmare. That's a zero. That's a zero mm. out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like just a disaster, a nightmare for everybody. Yeah. That's bad for everyone. Now, <laughs> for law school applicants, like serious, hardworking, devoted, dedicated people who are trying to change their lives and their families' lives and they're paying a bunch of money, <laughs> it's way better. Yeah, I don't think the schools realize the efficiencies yet or something, or some of them are, which is why they're doing these hybrid programs, but they're not, it hasn't become mainstream. They're afraid of losing something. They're afraid of losing control or whatever, but it's like, yeah, the reason your classes were staggered, the reason you had 14 hours spread over five days is in part because they're trying to coordinate the schedules of all these professors and classroom assignments, right? It's like... Oh, well, this person, <laughs> so needs dumb. but if you do it in zoom, all of a sudden you can take all those small 40 person classes and put them into one big 200 person class. And now the teacher's teaching once a week rather than three times a week. Right. And you don't have to coordinate around other people's rooms assignments because <laughs> zoom can handle all these classes at the same time. What if you want to do breakouts? Do you, you have to have a big lecture hall and then <laughs> a dozen conference rooms. Yeah. Well, we got to reserve no. that. We'll probably have to do that on a Saturday because we're going to really need to take over the whole building for that. Yeah. Or you just do it in zoom and you just instantly do it. Like you make breakout rooms of any size and just, just do it like two seconds. I mean, well, this, this is where the John Roberts school of law maybe needs to come back into existence because an upstart <laughs> yeah. with that's not burdened by all the bureaucracy bureaucracy and you know old way of thinking about things can just say okay well we're done we we have no physical <laughs> location so we don't have any of that expense or that burden we don't have any of the old scheduling mindsets we just go straight to an online platform yeah we need our our teachers right i mean we mm -hmm. need our teachers and our alums the people who um graduated from lsat demon years ago and are now uh in law school or yeah. practicing law. If you would like to help us start the John, if you want to call it the John Roberts school of law, that's fine. I don't care. Um, <laughs> it just, you know, the online alternative to law school will make it shorter. Uh, we'll probably make it cheaper. We will. Um, it'll just be better in every way. It'll be purely online. We wouldn't do it if it wasn't going to be like just better in every way. It would be it would, it would be cheaper merely from the fact that it's online, but also exponentially better because it could reach an, an it, such a broad audience. The real only holdup here is ABA. Yeah, um, which I thought you had investigated that for a little while, and it was basically like just start a law school and then get accredited. I think so. Yeah, so you got to take that risk. But maybe if you go with the on the pure online model, your risk is so low. Yeah. At the very least, it could be it could be pitched as a as a school that's getting you ready for the real school. It's baby law school until we get accredited and then it's real. <laughs> well, the thing like we would be able to do so much. We would do such a great job in admissions, right? Because it's like we know that there's just these schools, <laughs> you know, all of the ABA accredited schools ranked 100 to 200, mm -hmm. for example. Mm hmm. Just as shorthand, not that there's any difference between the schools ranked 80th and 100th, but you know, it, what I'm saying is there are at least 100 law schools that mm -hmm. admit 
regularly admit a bunch of clowns who are just like not going to be very they're not going to be like amazing lawyers right they're, mm-hmm. they're like as far as oh boy no i mean you, you got to really have high standards no no you don't <laughs> these schools admit most of the people who apply they admit people with super low gpas super low lsats you know have super low bar passage rates have really bad job placement it's not like the aba is doing a like they're not like on it right they're not like super watchdog like well we got to make sure that we don't accredit schools that are not going to produce sterling lawyers (laughs) that's not to say that those schools don't also produce sterling lawyers they do sometimes yeah but the percentages are not good the percentages are not in their favor and like we could do at least as good that would be not hard that would be extremely easy, actually. Uh, here's another idea. What if we made it a subscription model? Subscription? Oh, that well, yeah. See, that would be great because we wouldn't be ripping people off. Right? Yeah, well, you pay like, as you go. And then if right. you're like, I'm done with this shit. Okay, see you later. But at the same time, it, it like it builds in the automatic, um, you know, loan program. It's like, because you're not paying for it all up front. Yeah. I, I mean... I wonder if we would want to just like step outside of the student loan system. Just be like, Entirely. Nah, we're not yeah. doing that. No, You've you don't want any the of money that or you don't. And then that brings the price in line with the actual value. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's still, you know, whatever. One thing at a time. <laughs> <laughs> but if, you know, this would need I don't think a, it's that crazy. Cause it's just like, actually either. we don't need, we don't need, it's just like the demon. It's just a law school until it gets accredited. So at first you would have to start as like a, a pre-law school prep program. We need our alums to carry the ball on this. We need our, our maybe our current teaching core. Somebody gets excited about it. You mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. Matt or Becca is like, hey, you know what? I've gotten close enough to, to law practice that I know I don't want to do that shit. Yep. And I would like to, though. I'll be the dean. Sure. Improve. Okay, great law school education with mm-hmm. you guys. Yeah. If, if somebody on our current team or, you know, like alums who have practiced law for a couple of years and think they could help us do legal education better. Um, I believe you, uh, if you think you could do it, I believe you can do it because mm-hmm. it ain't good out there. <laughs> so yeah. like the bar is low and, uh, anyway, email us, um, email the show help at thinking com. We can talk about it more. Yep. Okay. This next one's from Anonymous. You got it? Yeah, sure. It says, I'm sure I already know the answer to this, but thought it'd be worth reaching out in case there might be an alternative approach. I have an old transcript from around 20 years ago that is encumbered because I owe the first undergraduate institution that I went to about $5,000. This may be superfluous. But it was a school um, that was impacted by a natural disaster, major natural disaster. And after that major natural disaster, I was rudderless for a few years. And my financial institution, my financial situation, sorry, was particularly unimportant during that time. Unimportant. You didn't care about it. Okay. I I thought he was going to say precarious or some something like that but unimportant 
Okay. Um, the undergraduate institutions that I attended and ultimately graduated from afterward didn't seem to care at all whether or not I furnished them. Furnished those grades? Oh, those that old transcript that was encumbered. Yep. And it's never reported on my credit, so it wasn't a concern for me either until I started down this road. I've already submitted both transcripts from the institutions I've attended since having started over and not using the credits from unnamed previous school that I owe $5,000 to, uh, to credential assembly service. And they have been processed. I upgraded from demon basic to demon live yesterday and sitting in on your fall 2022 application cohort, uh, meeting today, I got the sinking feeling that this chapter from my past is not yet behind me. So he's worried. He's like, oh, shit. What if this other encumbered transcript comes back to bite me? Do you see any path? Yeah. Damn. Do you see any path around having to pay for this transcript to be unencumbered? I'm pretty sure I can get around paying any sort of interest or fees. Still, $5,000 is not an insignificant amount of money for myself and my young family. My faintest hope is that there might exist some sort of amnesty precedent or statute of limitations that would allow me to perhaps address the situation with an addendum or simply not address it at all. Any thoughts are greatly appreciated. Um, Thank you, et cetera. All right. I don't understand the issue. What's the roadblock here? Why does this need to be addressed? Is this preventing anonymous from applying to law school because he needs those transcripts and LSAC is waiting for them? Yeah, our answer here is just going to be, I don't know. And also our answer here is going to be, you should probably talk to your state bar and maybe you should talk to law school admission council, but I'm not sure. Read carefully the instructions, right? I mean, read carefully the representations that you're making when you apply to law school. Yeah, because we're worried about um, character and fitness, right? Later, when you're applying for the bar. They do the character and fit. The bar does the character and fitness, right? Which happens after law school. And so the real sad situation that Anonymous could get himself into is go to law school for three years, potentially pay money. Hopefully not, but pay tuition for sure. Pay living expenses, books, fees, lost time working three years of misery Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then have problems with character and fitness because of your state bar, but that's your state bar. It also might get flagged at LSAC. We don't know. I mean, they've processed the transcripts so far, but until you actually apply to law school, we don't actually know whether that report will get released, right? They have to send credential assembly service LSAC has to send a report to each school that you're going to apply to. That's the yeah. $45 fee that they ding you for every school you apply to. And those, those reports, like it could be that you try to hit send and it's like, no, because we know that you went to this other undergraduate school. We're waiting for that transcript. They could just be waiting on that transcript. And then the other, see, the, the, the biggest problem, I think, is that they're going to ask you to disclose every school you went to. And every transcript. They're asking you for every transcript. So what are you saying? I've given them all to you? That's where you run into problems. Yeah. I, 
you're going to be lying. representing to yeah. them that you have given them every transcript from every school you've I, I think you're going to for sure have to put in the name of the school you went to right in the form somewhere because I mean, because it sounds like so far he's just left that out. Yeah, he's ignoring it. I wonder if the school would give him like um like a repayment plan like, oh, yeah, you can pay five hundred dollars a month. And we'll waive it. We'll release your transcripts now that you're paying, you're active. Five grand is small potatoes compared to, you know, even if you get a full tuition scholarship to law school, five grand is still not 10% of yeah. the cost of this endeavor. And you'll easily want to pay that money at the end if you get stuck in some character and fitness issue because you will have wasted all that time for a degree you can't use. Yeah, <laughs> it won't be that hard to pay it back if you well, but you're going to need the transcript. Yeah, I agree. Payment plan. Call them up and see if you can get if you can get on a on a payment plan to to get it paid off. Yeah, because then you can start making those payments and then. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's possible, right? It's possible that you could just ignore it. And it would never get like the state bar would never find out about it and you would be fine. <laughs> it's also then this thing that's going to hang over your head for the rest of your life. And to wash it away for five grand, that's not, not horrible. Well, the there risk are, of potentially getting disbarred. <laughs> right? there, are like, worse, there are worse problems. <laughs> yeah. What if he, I mean, probably would never happen. Right. But failing character and fitness that could happen. Mm hmm. But even then, it's probably like, well, you, you can rehabilitate oh, sorry. this. You, you, like, you can hey, be like, sorry for the misunderstanding. Yeah, I'll go. OK, I'll take oh, care of that. It. I didn't think that was a what? I'm sorry. And then you pay the thing and then you're fine. I mean, you know, you definitely can't like tell this to the law schools, though. <laughs> the, the law schools that aren't, aren't going to like have any sympathy because or and I, I can't imagine that LSAC really would have sympathy either because you have a history of not paying the school you have a history of not paying for higher education right mm -hmm. and they're mm -hmm. they're gonna probably not be cool with that so yeah i that's looking to me like you need to i like ben's payment plan idea i i, I don't think i would try to get around that good luck well you're you boy you'd be wouldn't you be losing sleep ben can you imagine <laughs> like of all the things you're gonna worry about during law school you know you're stressed out about your second semester second year exams and then you have this idea in the back of your head that maybe none of this will pan out. <laughs> One percent you of your brain is like, also, yeah, you should worry about this. It. That's not. Yeah. <laughs> 3 a.m. And you're like cold sweats about this potential character and fitness issue. I got all these mounting student loans and I need to get this job. And I just now I'm not sure, though, that I'm going to actually get barred. Hmm. Um, yeah. Sorry, dude. Probably going to have to pay it. Thanks for writing in and good luck. Um, let us know what they uh, work out for you if you decide to go the loan repayment plan route. Yeah, love to hear more about it. Be LSAT famous. Get on an upcoming show by e emailing help at thinkinglsat.com. If you have questions about LSAT Demon, email help at lsatdemon.com. You can also check out our other podcast, LSAT Demon Daily. That was episode 352 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school. 